We all have stories of how we got to this very moment, in mass, together. When you share your story, however you share it, you are inviting others to experience the life of privilege that your faith has gifted you. Telling your story helps you understand it on a deeper level, revealing why you went through challenges and how there is no explanation other than Jesus that led you to this better place. These unexplainable moments that strengthened your faith have power. That power is multiplied when shared. We're in the fourth week of our current message series all about sharing our faith. More specifically, we want to inspire, encourage, and equip you to share your faith with people who have become disconnected to Christ and His church or never had a connection in the first place. We believe sharing our faith grows our faith and helps us develop a closer connection with Christ. Our faith grows when we take some time, extend some energy, and put some thought into helping other people connect with Christ and His church. Sharing your faith helps you grow personally, just as it obviously helps the church grow corporately. We all benefit when new people who have been disconnected from any family of faith connect with our family of faith. You know, we don't share our faith because we're right and everybody else is wrong. We share our faith because it works. We share our faith because we want the best for others. We want them to enjoy a more successful life. While some people do reject or ignore God outright, it's clear that many other people stay away from God and church and religion because they don't feel welcome. They don't feel welcome. They never got the invitation. Our role is not to discern good from bad, right from wrong, who's worthy and who's unworthy, who's in and who's out. Our role is in to second-guess who will accept the invitation and who will not. Our role is to make the invitation. How? Our strategy is simple throughout this series. We've been talking about it. We like to say invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest in friends and family, co-workers and classmates disconnected from Christ and His church. And then, when appropriate, invite them to join us here on Ridgely Road or online, or perhaps first one and then the other. Over the course of this series, my hope is that we will grow in greater appreciation of what it is we do here at the Eucharist, what this is all about, and how we value it as the source and summit of our Christian lives. At the same time, my hope is that we grow to greater desire, greater enthusiasm, and greater motivation to share our experience of the Eucharist with others. Today, as we move on, we're continuing to look at St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, where we can continue to find 
insight into sharing our faith. Specifically, we're going to see that when we bring together two particular elements, we can become effective witnesses of our faith. These elements are simple, but powerful. So, Paul begins, with such great affection for you, with such great affection for you. Paul's describing his motivation for sharing his faith with the Thessalonians. It arose from his affection for them. He loved the Thessalonians, and in his love, we have determined to share his faith. We said in the first week of this series, a desire to share our faith always springs from a love for others. And in our love, we want something for them, not from them. This desire springs from the conviction that everybody needs a loving relationship with the living Lord. People will be restless until they rest in Him. Paul says that out of affection for the Thessalonians, he was determined to share two things. First thing, we were determined to share with you the gospel of God. First thing, the gospel. That word, gospel, is a Greek word meaning good news. Both as individuals and as a faith community, we've been entrusted with good news that we get to share with the world. And the good news, of course, is that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. The good news is that through the event of the Paschal Mystery, through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we've been redeemed. We've been redeemed. But redemption might not sound all that interesting. Most people wouldn't even know what that means. If you had lunch with someone who doesn't know the gospel and doesn't go to church and you said, I want to talk to you about redemption. I want to talk to you about your redemption in the gospel. They'd probably roll their eyes and say, how are the hamburgers in this place? <laughs> but then again, they might appreciate the ramifications of redemption, its effect, its power. The gospel is the power of God to change and transform people's lives. Good news that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, all our past faults and failures have been forgiven, just wiped away. We don't have to live in shame or regret. Good news that despite the strife and struggles we have in this life, God can make all things work together for our good. Good news that God sends His grace and favor into your everyday life if you're on the lookout for it every day. Good news God has a plan and purpose for your life. In Christ, your life has eternal significance. Good news God the Father has planned an incredible celebration at the end of time. And to take part in it, you simply need to say yes to the invitation. This is the good news we're called to share. This is the good news Paul shared with the Thessalonians. But that's not all he shared. He wrote, we were determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves. Not only the gospel of God, but our very selves. 
He shared the gospel for sure, but he also shared his life. He shared himself. He shared his story, the story of his persecution of the early church, the story of his dramatic conversion, the story of his new life in Christ. Along with that, he shared his heart, his joy, the faith of the Thessalonians, as well as his frustration with so many others who'd failed to hear his message and share his faith. You know, God is a God of relationships. For sure, he wants a relationship with us, but he wants us to form relationships too, relationships in which we bring others into a relationship with him, but not in an inauthentic way. It's not about manipulation. We're not talking about proselytism. We're not trying to instill our beliefs in someone else. When we say invest in people, it's about spending time with them out of fondness and concern for them. It's about authentically, transparently sharing ourselves, specifically our story, specifically our story as impacted and influenced by the good news of the gospel. Your life is the context that God wants to use you to reach others. Your job, your hobbies, your kids' lacrosse games, in your neighborhood, at your school, in the PTA. Build relationships with those people in those settings, relying on the natural bonds of friendship that come from shared interest. Then, determine to share not only those interests, but the gospel. Trust that God will give you opportunities to share your faith. Paul had just such trust with the Thessalonians, and as a result, they came to faith in the Lord. So, he concludes, for this reason, we give thanks to God unceasingly that in receiving the word of God from hearing us, you receive not a human word, but as it truly is, the word of God. The Thessalonians came to faith as a result of Paul's determination to share the gospel and his life with them. Then, in turn, Paul's own heart grew in gratitude and appreciation for the gospel. Notice again, as we saw last week, receiving the word of God comes from hearing the word of God. The word needs to be spoken to others. We can't share the gospel without words. If missionaries go into a foreign country, obviously they have to learn the language in order to preach and teach effectively. Same for us. We have to use words. And in turn, when we do share the good news and people do receive it, just like Paul, it grows our own gratitude and appreciation for the gospel. This is precisely that intersection that I referred to earlier. When our story intersects with God's Word, it has power, power to change lives, including our own. So, how is the gospel good news for you? What has gripped you personally about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? What about the gospel inspires and influences you? What is your story? Maybe your story is about surviving a dysfunctional family of origin as you've grown in understanding 
that you are a child of God the Father. Maybe your story is that you know well your faults and failures. And when you hear songs like Amazing Grace, it easily moves you to tears because you've known God's incredible mercy and kindness in just that way. Maybe your story is that you were deep in debt and racked with worry and anxiety about your finances, and then you accepted God's plan for your money, and your whole life has turned round. Maybe your story is about overcoming a crushing defeat because you know that God never loses a battle. Maybe your story is of a failing marriage or wrecked relationship with a family member that was subject to healing and wholeness, at least in your own heart, through sustained prayer. Maybe your story is overshadowed by a diagnosis that would be overwhelming if not for the confident assurance of the good news. Maybe your story is that you've lost a loved one, a parent, a spouse, a child. And there's a, a hole in your heart, a permanent hole in your heart for that loss. But your heart also holds the conviction of your faith that you will see them again. What's your story? We're going to be more confident in sharing our faith, more effective in sharing our faith, the better we understand the intersection between the good news of God's Word and how it's played out in our lives. And when we do share the good news and people do receive it, it grows our gratitude and appreciation for the gospel, as well as our connection and affection for those who receive it. As a special resource to get you started or help you out, we've created a new section on our website with tools, tips, and resources. It's brand new. You haven't seen it before. We just launched it this weekend. So check it out after Mass at churchnativity.com slash invite. You'll find different ways to invite unchurched friends and family, including electronic invitations, scripture verses to help you tell your story, and suggestions on how to share on social media. In today's gospel, there's a lot going on. The scene is the final week of Jesus' life. The setting is the temple precincts in Jerusalem, and the audience, those who would follow him as disciples. There's a lot going on, and it can seem complicated, but it needn't be. The whole heart of the message comes at the end of the passage. Jesus says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. It's simply an instruction, an instruction to adopt a posture of humility as we proceed through life, to proceed through life humbly. You know, often we're reluctant to share our faith precisely because, frankly, it's humbling. Maybe that alone is a great reason to do it. Thanks for watching. Be sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. 
We're grateful that you're part of this community.